This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Inglis. Inglis sales graduates dominated the Group 1 scene right through the 2019-2020 season. They got away to a flying start when Samadout won the Wink Stakes, the first Group 1 of the season. Vow and Declare won the Melbourne Cup, Exceedance won the Coolmore Stud Stakes, Super Seth won the Caulfield Guineas, Natoya the Doncaster, Quick Thinker the Australian Derby, and Nature Strip the TJ Smith, just to name a few. In total, Australia's leading thoroughbred auctioneers provided 22 individual Group 1 winners. They had the biggest number of stakes winners who won the biggest number of races. Inglis sold the highest number of three-year-old Group 1 winning Colts and the highest number of stakes winning fillies and mares. Won't be long now and the Group 1 round starts all over again with the Wink Stakes at Randwick on August the 22nd. You can bet the English graduates will be right in the thick of the action again in the new racing season. We're about to commence segment two with former champion jockey Ron Hutchinson, who's turning 93 in December of this year. Sounds about 50 years younger than that, as we reminisce <laughs> about uh, the telegram he got from Patty Prendergast, delivered to him at Flemington Racecourse, offering him a stable retrainer in Ireland. Now, the great Sydney jockey, Ron Jack Thompson, uh, had that job previously, and I think you contacted Jack. He strongly recommended you should give it a go. That's right. Yes, uh, yes. Uh, uh, Jack had uh, ridden for uh, Patty uh, in the early, in the early 50s, if I remember, mm. and... Uh, uh, Jack was very successful for uh, Paddy. I think he might have even won the Irish Derby for him, if I remember rightly. Mm, he did. Uh, and yeah. was very successful, and uh, and he recommended it was a it was a, a you know what a a chance uh, to go. And uh, but I was riding you know sort of well in Melbourne and doing very well, and I was a bit reluctant to go because I didn't want to leave uh, uh, Melbourne uh, <coughs> too soon. But anyway. Uh, I, I rang Paddy that uh, when I got back after the races at Flemington, and I rang him that night, and he asked me, uh, "Would I come? Would I like to come over and ride for him?" And uh, for that year, and I said, "Well, I'd like to come over, but uh, I've, uh, I want to be back for the Melbourne Cup." And he said, "Yes." He said, "My horse will be be finished by that by the uh, Melbourne Cup time." So he said, "Yeah, that'll be okay." And so with uh, that. Uh, uh, sort of uh, view. I, 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 my wife and Norma and I decided to go and have a and have one season in Ireland, mm. which we did. So it was, and it turned out to be, of course, a very successful season too. Mm. Mm. It didn't take you long to make an impression. You won the Irish Two Thousand Guineas on Kithnos, and then yes. after that, Patty sent you to England to win the English Two Thousand Guineas on a horse called Marshall. It was a great start. You finished up winning the Irish 1,000 guineas three times and later you won the English 1,000 guineas on full dress. Ron, these are highly That's prized right. races, aren't they? Oh, God. They, well, every, <clears throat> you know, classic races, John. Uh, they're like, well, the Group 1 races, of course, but they're, you know, they're, uh, they're an honour to win those uh, classic races and, uh, and fortunately... Uh, I was able to win a few of them, 
and uh, those ones that you mentioned, Jess, yes, I can remember uh, Kiss Doss uh, very well. Mm. He ran in the, uh, he ran, he won the 2000 Guineas, and I rode him in the English Derby in 1960 and mm. ran third to uh, St. Paddy, ridden mm. by Lester Pickett. Mm. So uh, he, he was, it turned out to be a good horse, but in my first ride in, uh, in Newmarket was uh, Marshall, mm. and uh, of course, uh, I, I was a chance. George Moore was riding the favourite venture, a horse called Venture, mm. uh, for the Arga Carter, if I remember rightly. Mm. And uh, and I uh, I had a, some sort of a chance in the race. However, uh, I uh, I was able to get up and win a short uh, short head, whatever it was. And we were, I was one side of the track uh, under the stand side, and George was over on the the far side near the winning post. And of course, we were about a Hundred yards apart, so I didn't know whether I'd won or not. But no, anyway, my number, my number went up, and then won the uh, that I'd won the Guineas. And of course, mm. John, that that win changed my life. You know, it. Um, I decided then to uh, stay in England for a while. Mm. Mm. Well, you and Patty Prendergast went to the Royal Ascot meeting in 1960. You won a couple of decent races too, including the yes. Coventry Stakes, and it didn't yes. go unnoticed, Ron, because yes. a gentleman came along with a surprise offer, a very yes. distinguished Englishman. What was his name? Oh, the Duke of Norfolk. Mm. <laughs> The Duke of yeah, Norfolk. Yeah, well, yeah, well, actually, yes. I was a, I, uh, I had this good season in, uh, in, uh, in Ireland, and I was riding for Paddy for the next or the uh, second season. And uh, a man, a trainer called Bernard Van Cutson came to me one, uh, one evening meeting in, in, uh, in, uh, in, uh, in uh, Windsor, but was the race course in Indra, and he said, "Would you like to ride for the Duke of Norfolk?" Uh, and the Duchess of Norfolk next year, which was, you know, 1962. Anyhow, of course, you know, I yeah, delighted. And uh, mm. but under the anyway, I I was introduced then to the Duchess, and uh, and she said that uh, Scobie Breeze was their jockey, and he was getting on. Mm. It was fifty or Scobie turned fifty, sort of thing. And mm. uh, and I could uh, would I ride for her? Would I like to ride for the stable? Uh, and in under uh, second uh, to Scobe, which I did. Mm. I said, oh, well, I don't mind riding when you know, Scobe, he's a, a champion jockey. Anyway, mm. I uh, I stayed there, and, of course, I was with the, the Duke and Duchess of Norfolk for 17 years. John, I rode for them. I know you did. Yeah, right, so right up until it. his death in 1975. Now, Ronnie was obviously a man of intense loyalty. I mean, Jockey retainers didn't last 17 years, did they, in that era? That no, was very, no. very rare. No, no, yes, that's right, John. Uh, yes, it, uh, uh, it was a long long association and uh, and uh, unfortunately uh, I, I got on very well with uh, with the Duchess and, 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 and the fan, the, uh, the, the, the Duke's mm. girls, um, and I was, uh, you know, very, uh, very lucky, uh, mm. in my opinion, to be, uh, you know, be associated with them. It was, a, it was a wonderful time of my life. Well, he was the 16th Duke of Norfolk. His full name was Bernard Fitzalan Howard, and uh, he had many thrills in racing, but his most ardent wish was to win the famous Ascot Gull Cup over the marathon yeah. 4,000 metres. He had a horse called Ragstone, who was probably not a true stayer, Ron, but 
But somehow you got him home, and I believe the Duke and Duchess were blown away by the win. Yes, they certainly, yes, they, John, they were so. And, yeah, I can remember when I first with, uh, uh, well, it was with, uh, first few uh, <clears throat> day, weeks I was with the Duke of Norfolk and way back in the, in the 60, uh, 62, and he said to me that, you know, the only races that, uh, that he'd love to win was his ambition to win would be the Ascot Gold Cup because he was the uh, Queen's representative of Royal Ascot at that time. Mm. And uh, he said, uh, you know, the Derby's nice to win, but he said, I want to win. I'd love to win the Mel- the, uh, the Royal Ascot Gold Cup. Mm. So uh, fortunately, uh, in 1974, I think it was, mm. uh, he bred a horse, like as you say, Ragstone, mm. uh, although he was a mile and a half horse, but this was a two and a half mile. Mm. And uh, he, uh, we planned a horse. I think, uh, the, the, the Duke bought a horse uh, to make running for us, and uh, anyway, we we were able to get up and win the win the, uh, the Ascot Gold Cup was a was a great thrill for the whole family, you know. Mm. So it was <coughs> it was a great part of me. It was a great great thrill. Now, Ron, the Duke of <laughs> Norfolk had his horses trained on his famous Arundel <coughs> Park estate in Surrey, where he had grass tracks and uphill gallops and all sorts of wonderful appointments. You tell me it was an amazing place. Oh, gee, yeah, the park, the park at Arundel was, um, uh, it was a one, wonderful scenery and greenery and trees and you know, a be- it's a beautiful park and <clears throat> the uh, the horses were trained uh, in, the, in the park area and uh, we had some wonderful gallops. In fact, uh, I think one of the... the uh, Duchess uh, and uh, one of her client, one of our clients, uh, Sandy Struthers. He uh, he, uh, they put in a uh, uh, an all weather gallop in those days, a chip gallop in those days. You know, it was one of the first where they cut through the uh, the earth and um, laid uh, sort of uh, hessian on the mm. on the to make it into a into a gallop. You know, an all weather gallop. Yeah. It, it, it turned out it was beautiful, but it, they, it was it was about a, a mile and middle a mile and a half long. It was fantastic. Mm. Yeah. Well, he was an interesting man, the Duke of Norfolk. He was a cabinet minister, Ron, in the Winston Churchill government during World War Two, and as a fanatical cricket fan, he actually managed the England side that toured Australia in nineteen sixty two sixty three put his horses out of mind for a few months. You got to the yeah. occasional dinner party at Arundel Castle, didn't you? It was uh, oh, they, they yes. would have been glittering affairs? They certainly were. They certainly, yes. And I've you know, been fortunate enough to meet, meet uh, very many uh, famous uh, people at, uh, at uh, uh, dinners with uh, the Duke and Duchess. And fortunately, Norm and I were invited uh, occasionally to go on and have dinner with them, and uh, as I said, I met some wonderful people, uh, people like uh, Barnes Wallace, you know, the mm. inventor of the uh, the bouncing bob, uh, Bill Sterling of the SAS, uh, uh, you know, all that, all those famous people that uh, I was lucky enough to uh, to be uh, invited at, with uh, dinners with them as well. It was mm. wonderful. The bouncing also, bob. The bouncing bomb, Barnes Wallace. He was the uh, yeah. he was in band, the bouncing. I think it was the, the film called The Dam Buster. Yes, I've seen that it. was mm. made. Yes, yeah, so um, it was very, uh, very. I was very fortunate, of course, to 
you know, hear stories of uh, various things in those days. Of, and it was very enlightening and very rewarding. Mm. The Duke's mm. trainers in that era were Jack Jarvis and John Sutcliffe and a little later a man for whom you had tremendous respect, John Dunlop. Yes, yes. I Well, uh, yeah, well that would, uh, uh, that would, uh, John uh, came into Warrandall uh, as a young man uh, and he was assistant to uh, the trainer of, uh, of, of Gordon Smythe was our, was mm. my first trainer there. Yep. And uh, uh, John uh, Dunlop came in as assistant. Uh, anyway, uh, a few months uh, down the track, uh, Gordon, uh, Gordon uh, uh, the Duchess decided that Gordon uh, wasn't, um, you know, didn't suit her, of course. Mm. And uh, John took over the reins of uh, Arundel Castle uh, stables, and uh, from then on, we had a we had a lot of success together. Mm. Yeah, you had a second retainer in England to trainer Harry Rag, who'd been a former champion jockey, whose trademark patience earned him the marvelous nickname of the head waiter. <laughs> I can't recall uh, a, a jockey who was given a nickname of, of such thought and. Um, such tremendous importance, and it stayed with him all of his life. If you were yes. not required by the Duke of Norfolk, you were free to ride one of Harry Rags, and you often did. Oh yes, very much. Oh yes, I was fortunate, and as as, as mentioned, John, uh, you know, we all had retainers in uh, those in those stable riding for those stables, and I, my first retainer was uh, was of course the Duke and Duchess. Uh, of Norfolk. Then I had uh, another retainer, so Jack Jarvis, uh, his stable, and, and then I had uh, a man called John Sutcliffe. Mm. Uh, anyway, I laughed with uh, John, uh, with uh, Sir Jack Jarvis, uh, two or three years, mm. and rode played a lot of winners for him. And then I got the uh, second retainer from uh, Harry Rag, and we were mm. I was with him for a very long time. We became very successful. We had a lot mm. of uh, Winners in uh, places like uh, Germany and uh, Italy, and also uh, uh, you know England, of course, the grand the the uh, the one thousand guineas mm. with full dress. Yeah, I had a lot of success for them. Uh, I won the Ledger as well for him on intermezzo. So, uh, on intermezzo, intermezzo, yeah. So I yeah. had, yeah, so I had a lot of a lot of success for uh, uh, Harry Rag and and uh, his son Jeff. Was his head man, and uh, Jeff and uh, his wife Tricia, we all got on to very, very good. They were lovely people to ride for, John, mm. and and uh, and uh, I enjoyed my my uh, riding career with them too. It was wonderful. You rode more than one thousand winners in Europe, with your best year recorded in nineteen sixty four, and in that yeah. year you won one hundred and thirty six races to finish second on the premiership to the all-conquering Lester Piggott. Now, Lester, no. in that era, Ron, was right at the top of his game. Oh, yeah, well, Lester, well, Lester was, uh, in those days, um, uh, he was uh, he was, uh, he was God as such as, as uh, we would call it. Everybody wanted to ride him, ride, mm. uh, wanted him to ride for mm. them, and he uh, he was, uh, of course, he was very successful with Sir Noel Merlis, yeah. Uh, and then uh, Vincent uh, uh, Bryan came along, and with all these good horses like you know, Jinskis, Sir Ivor, oh, many good horses at Leicester 
Leicester Road, and uh, and of course I was uh, lucky enough to run second to him a couple of times on the list. So, uh, mm. but. Uh, uh, he was a, a great. I must say, he was a great jockey, Lester. He's, mm. He was a very great jock. Ron, he won a total of four thousand four hundred ninety-three races, including uh, nine English derbies. Now, I know you went around with him hundreds of times, and I'm sure yeah. our regular listeners will want me to ask your assessment of the talents of the remarkable Lester Piggott. What made him so great? Well, Johnny was absolutely a. He was a brilliant, uh, brilliant course tactician. But there's one thing about it, uh, you know, Remus uh, vividly that about Lester, uh, that he had great patience, uh, John. He was cool, calm, and collected. I remember even going back to my first uh, day, uh, first derby when he won on St. Paddy. You know, I sat. Luckily, uh, he, I was uh, with the same valet, uh, Sonny Hales. His name was and. Uh, he and Lester and I uh, shared his, uh, his 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 services, and uh, I remember Lester was uh, riding the favourite, some Paddy in the uh, in the Derby, but he was worried, he was concerned about getting on a maiden horse the next day at, um, at well, I think it might have been Folkestone, one of those country mm. places. So he was cool, calm, and collected, and he was like that all right throughout his uh, the time that I spent because I, as I say, I sat with him. Most days at um, in the jockey's room, and so I, you know, became very good friends with him. But he, he, uh, I must say, he was pretty ruthless in his, in a way. If he, <laughs> he wasn't, he wasn't frightened to jock off a, a, a jockey that was uh, riding something that uh, was going to make uh, make good. And if it found out, if he found out it was pretty good, just the owner or the trainer would put Lester on in preference to that jockey. You know. Mm. So he's a bit ruthless that way. Mm. Mm. Ron, there's little doubt the most sought-after prize in English racing is the historic derby run at Epsom yeah. in June. Now, you yes. had many rides in the Classic without a win, but like mm. the Melbourne Cup, had circumstances been different, you may have been on a couple of derby winners. Now, this is an unpleasant memory for you, but I've got to bring it up <laughs> because it's part of the story. You yeah. rode a cult called Charlottetown, owned by Sir Harold Werner and trained by George Smythe in the 1966 Lingfield Derby trial. Nothing went right in that race. You ran second to Black Prince. Oh, oh that's right, John. I remember it so well too. Uh, yes, uh, uh, Charlottetown had been a very, very good two-year-old, probably the top two-year-old in in, uh, in England that, that, that year, trained by... Uh, John Gosden's father, Towser Gosden, mm. and uh, Towser had given up the uh, training and uh, Gordon Smythe had given uh, the opportunity to uh, train where uh, Towser was training at a place called Lewis. Mm. Anyway, that was as a two-year-old, but as a three-year-old, uh, going in, in Charlottetown had a problem, had a hoof problem, and he was, uh, he was, he was a bit unsound in, uh, in the, his early training days. Anyway, his first start at, start in the uh, Lingfield Derby trial, as you say, uh, he uh, <coughs> he was his first start, and um, I got a bit too far back, and I came home. I couldn't uh, catch the leader, uh, uh, a horse called Black Prince, mm. and he led all the way, and I was I was finishing like a rocket, but uh, unfortunately he didn't get up and uh, and win. 
So anyway, that was about the Linkfield Derby, about uh, today, about three weeks before the actual derby. Mm. And uh, uh, the next thing, uh, as I, 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 I get a telephone call from Sir Harold Werner, mm. and uh, and it went like this, Johnny. He said, he said uh, uh, Hutchinson, uh, uh, Werner here, he said, we have come to the unanimous opinion that you don't get on with the horse and you won't be riding him in the derby. And he hung up, Good. hung up on me. Oh, so mm. I was devastated, you know, as you can imagine. Yeah. So um, I, I pondered around and I said, oh, gee, what can I what am I? So I thought I thought to myself, I'll give old Scobie a ring and tell him what had happened. A so fellow Aussie. Important. A fellow Aussie. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then I, I, John, and I, I, I rang Scobe and I mm. said, hey, Scobe, what, what do you reckon they've done to me? He said, yes. He said, I know. He said, no, I'm riding the horse. Oh, oh so that was another blow. <laughs> oh. So anyway, I, uh, I, unfortunately, I got a ride. I finished up getting a ride in on a very 100 to 1 chance, a horse called Spice of the Main Blows. Yeah. And uh, Scobe got up and. Won the won the derby on uh, Charlottetown. Yeah, you couldn't grab so hold of his my... tail at any stage, could no. you? <laughs> no, I could not. No, <laughs> but anyway, that's life. That's life. And I was, but it was unfortunate that I couldn't ride the derby winner. Yeah, you rode two thirds. You mentioned one already, Kithnos, who ran third to Saint Paddy. Yes, and a horse yeah. called Mount Athos, who ran third to Sir Ivor. That's right, the era of Sir Ivan. Oh, gee, what a good horse he was, Sir Ivan. Uh, Wasn't he? John, he was a very good horse, yes, yeah. I think they made a film of him too, if I remember, of that of that particular mm. horse. Uh, yeah. But uh, oh, Mount Athos, <coughs> he was owned by a lovely man called Sandy Struthers. Mm. And uh, I, uh, I, he was he ran third in the in the derby that year. Mm. So uh, that was the co- they were the closest I got to the winning the English derby. Ron, in 1977, you were riding a two-year-old called Shirley Heights for trainer yes. John Dunlop, and you almost certainly could have continued that association the following year, but you'd already yeah. made up your mind to retire, and you let yeah. Shirley Heights go, and Greville Starkey took over and rode him to victory in the derby the following year. Now, That's right, John. That's, <laughs> yep. You were one of several Australian jockeys to wear the royal colours. And your very first yeah. ride for the Queen was on a horse called Ormiston at Lingfield, a winner, first up for Her Majesty. That's right, yes, yes. Well, yes, so it was, uh, it was trained by uh, Captain Boyd Rochford mm. uh, at Lingfield and uh, outsider. But anyway, I was, able, I was lucky enough to... Uh, to uh, uh, get up and win on it, and uh, so I was invited to uh, the uh, to up to the royal box, and well, the Queen happened to be there that day, so I, I met the Queen there that day, mm. and uh, I later on, John, I was fortunate enough to ride uh, a horse called Galiwar in the uh, Galios, Galwa, that's right, yeah, that's right, John. Mm. In the Goodwood Cup for the Queen, yes, that's right. So mm. I was, uh, I was very fortunate, in, uh, you know, to uh, to win the cup for her. Yeah, mm. very good. You became mm. very attached to a horse in the Dunlop Yard in 1977, who'd arrived from New Zealand with a big reputation, and you saw him as the horse most likely to give you a grand farewell 
to European racing. His name, Balmerino. Now, first up, you went to Goodwood for a 10 furlong stakes race, which he won by five lengths, then across the channel to Longchamp for the famous Arc de Triomphe. What a thrill for an Australian jockey to ride a horse like this in a race like the Arc. Yeah, yeah, it was, John, and I would say, uh, looking back over the years, I'd say that Belmarinas probably was a – I only rode him four times in in, uh, in his uh, career, uh, and I, I rate him as probably the best horse that I uh, that I rode over there, the uh, uh, best horse I ever rode. He was – he had – he wasn't very big, but he had a – he was just so so powerful, yeah. and uh, 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 he was owned by a nice uh, uh, in New Zealand, um, mm. Ralph Stewart, if I remember right. His name, yeah. the owner was. And anyway, fortunately, he he, he kept. I I, I uh, was able to ride him. I had, as I say, four rides. I won the mm. the first one, second in the arc. Uh, then we took him to uh, Milan in Italy. Yeah. Uh, I won the race, but unfortunately. Uh, I lost the race on protest, mm-hmm. and then he ran fourth in the uh, Washington International. You know. So mm-hmm. he was a very, very good horse, John, a real, mm-hmm. a real champion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, Ron, I've just got to get you to repeat something you said a minute back because I, mm-hmm. I want to get this clear in my mind, and I'm sure most of our listeners will want to do likewise. Yeah. Are you saying yeah. Balmerino was the yeah. best horse you rode in any part of the world? Yeah, yes, good. Yeah, me. I'd say, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, in, in my opinion, at that particular time, mm. yeah, he was a he was a re- he was a champion for sure, Belmarino. Mm. Mm. The horse that beat you in the arc was alleged. Fancy running into him. He only got well, beaten once in ten starts, and he won the arc again the following year. The, that's right, John. Exactly. Yes, he was. He was a three-year-old. He was too good for me that particular day. And Bel Moreno uh, was wearing him down. But uh, alleged uh, one, one. Uh, led, I think he might have led all the way, if I remember. But anyway, mm. he, uh, he he was too good. And the next year, he came out and won the arc again. So mm. he was a he was a, an outstanding horse. Mm. Mm. Ron, we'll just pause for a moment to clear a commitment, and we'll be yep. back with Ron Hutchinson. After this, New South Wales TAB punters, here is your chance to share in $1.3 million in prize money when the Kosciuszko is run at Royal Randwick on October the 17th. You could share in the ownership of one of the 14 runners in the world's richest race for country trained horses. You're in the running if you purchase a $5 ticket via the Tab app or at your local TAB outlet or enter as many times as you like by purchasing multiple tickets. Ticket sales close on September the 7th and 14 winners will be drawn on September the 9th. If your name or the name of your syndicate is drawn, you'll then have the opportunity to select a horse to race in your entry. Then your negotiating skills will be put to the test as you endeavour to reach agreement with the owners regarding a prize money split. Bell Flyer won it in 2018, Handle the Truth won it last year. You could share in the ownership of the 2020 Kosciuszko winner when the big race is run at Randwick on October the 17th. Tickets are available right now via your Tab app or at your local TAB outlet. Well, you announced your retirement after riding Balmerino into fourth place in the Washington International at Laurel. 
But your writing career wasn't over just yet. You accepted a lovely invitation to go to New Zealand to ride over the four days of the Auckland Cup Carnival and to officiate as a guest speaker at a big round of dinners and luncheons. And you and Norma made a working holiday of it. Yes, that's right, John. In 1977, I took my uh, younger uh, uh, with me, um, um, young Peter and um, our daughter Sally. Mm-hmm. So the four of us uh, had a delightful time. About we were there for about six weeks in New Zealand, uh, travelling around the uh, the Northern Island, and I uh, I uh, had a great time, and uh, I wrote a winner or two there as well. So I mm-hmm. I had uh, I spent the, uh, the that particular. 1977 Christmas uh, in uh, Rotorua, if I remember rightly. So uh, it was very, very, uh, uh, very, very nice. And uh, we met, as I say, I met some wonderful people over there. Uh, On your way back to England, you decided to have a look at racing in Singapore and Malaysia. Now, you were 50 years old, and to all intents and purposes, your riding days were over, but not just yet. (laughs) What happened? Uh, That's right. Oh, that's right, John. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I decided at 50 I'd, I'd had enough and I, I was having troubles with uh, my hips at that particular time too, John, and mm. I was, uh, you know, I was looking forward to retiring. Uh, so, uh, uh, so anyway, I had stopped off in Singapore and, um, I, of course, I had my gear. I was going back to retire. Um, in England, and uh, Ivan Allen uh, said to me, "Would you like to have a few rides at, um, at this particular uh, Singapore meeting?" And he put mm. me on a couple. And anyway, I had uh, if I was there for four days, two two uh, Saturday and Sunday, and then the mm. following Saturday Sunday. So I, in the meantime, I'd won uh, over the four days. I'd won four or five races, pretty straight, you know. <laughs> so I. I was still, I was doing pretty good and quite, quite excited. And so, yeah. anyway, uh, Ivan said to me, he said, "Well, if you, you're finished, why don't you stay in uh, Singapore?" He said, "I'll sponsor you, mm. and um, and have have a, a season out here." So mm. I thought, well, I said to my wife, "Yeah, well, I might as well and stay <laughs> out in the warm weather." <laughs> so uh, I did, but uh, yeah. luckily for me, the Singapore Turf Club. Um, I uh, asked me to ride, or allowed me to ride as uh, their club jockey. So, yeah. in other words, I was allowed to be a freelance and do what I liked. You know? Yeah. Well, so Ron, you stayed, stayed three there, seasons. I was there for three years. Yeah, and won another bloody premiership. The premiership. Yeah, I topped the jockeys <laughs> lift in uh, in Singapore. So, I, yeah. yeah. So I had a good time at fifty years of age. Yeah. Mm. Well, you were fifty three when you finally said, "That's it." Yeah, there, yes. Yes, I was having some trouble with my uh, hips, John, and in those days I, I'd uh, go around uh, uh, and uh, come back to Singapore and I'd have a, a dose of uh, acupuncture and uh, that seemed to keep me going for a while, And mm. but it was getting a bit uh, a bit uh, hurtful and painful, mm. so I wasn't enjoying it all that much and yeah. it was time to give up, you know. Ron, you rode for four decades and yes, uh, that yeah. doesn't come without injury. Overall, do you regard yourself as one of the lucky ones? I am, uh, John. Yes, I. I must say that I had uh, I had some nasty falls over the years. I think as the more you ride and the more opportunity you have of riding, the more chance you're going to have a fall. And I've had my my share of falls, <clears throat> but fortunately, I have broken my ribs and collarbones and arms and all that sort of thing. But 
I never got any uh, injury uh, in the head. I never got a, a no. whack in the head. Or <laughs> so, I was, so I was lucky that way, John. Mm. But uh, there again, uh, if you're a leading rider or a rider, you're, you're bound to have a fall sometime or other. Mm. Yeah. Ron, I've never <laughs> forgotten a wonderful night I had in your company 47 yeah. years ago. Go on. Yeah, I was in England to call the Derby for 2GB in Sydney and I had to go to a meeting at Kempton Park the previous Saturday with a little tape recorder to interview some jockeys who had rides in the Derby and you were one of them. Now, you invited me back to your beautiful property at Rygate. You were on 50 acres there. You had some broodmares on the property, I remember, but you and Norma... Uh, gave me a wonderful evening. And from, oh, lovely. Ron, from that moment on, I've wanted to do an in-depth interview with you and it took oh, me 47 lovely. years to do it. Oh, lovely, John. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you very much for uh, those kind words too, John. Yeah, but, well, I was uh, fortunately, um, uh, Norma, I might have been a bit naughty in that respect of uh, she didn't expect who I'd bring home of a night time and, uh, so after the race, I'd meet uh, people like yourself and others, and uh, I was uh, able to, uh, you know, come back and have a few drinks at uh, at the at my home, and uh, mm. and it was a, it was a joy, and I enjoyed it very much. But uh, from her point of view, she always was there, available, and uh, uh, before long, she'd produce a meal sometime <laughs> during the evening. So it was pretty good. So yeah. Ron, I, I wasn't but, the only one you brought home no, for dinner at very short notice. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was. I, and I was pretty naughty that way. <laughs> mm. Ron, you rode a winner that day too at Kempton Park. I think it was a two-year-old called Pitcairn. You told oh, me he'd yeah, win. He, yeah. he was long odds on but bolted in, won yeah. easily. You remember the horse? Yeah. Yeah, very much so, John. Yeah, I remember him. Very good horse he was too. He turned out a very, very good horse. Mm. Very nice. Very nice horse he was. Oh, I'm glad I tipped your winner, eh? That's oh, you right. certainly That's a good did. Thing. <laughs> now, Ron, Australian <laughs> racing has had no better ambassador than you, both no. during your riding career and in the years since your retirement. Your contribution yeah. was acknowledged in the proper manner in 2005 when you were inducted into the Australian Racing Hall of Fame. You're a remarkable fellow, Ron Hutchinson, and I am very, very privileged that you've been able to join me on this podcast. I've enjoyed every moment of it. Thank you very much indeed, John. Yes, it was was a great honour to be involved in uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame. It's one thing that uh, I can look back on in my uh, lifetime and say, well, I've done, I've done well for my time in racing. It was wonderful. Thanks for joining us, Ron. It's been a delight. Lovely, John. Thank you very much indeed. It's mostly, mean, from my point of view, most enjoyable. Thank and, you. And this podcast was produced by Supernova Sound. This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Ingress.